Hello and welcome for yet another amazing episode of Connecting the Dots. Um, and we have a, an array of wonderful panelists today to talk about what's travel, yes, what's travel got to do with veganism. For those of you who are vegan, know that it's really important for us to know what are the options, you know, when we're traveling um, for us to eat and, and for us to, you know, experience and enjoy this world compassionately. And for those of you who are just dabbling and new to this ethical philosophy and this amazing nutritional philosophy, we have um, an amazing panelist, uh, a panel today, um, some amazing people who are doing some great work and are curating a wonderful festival that I encourage every one of you to just pack your bags um, and, and be there for. Um, before I let the cat out of the bag, let me actually bring these amazing panelists um, on stage. Welcome, Zach, from Veg Voyages. We're going to talk mm -hmm. to you. Hello, we're going to talk to you about this amazing um, festival that you all are curating and you're joining us from different parts of the world. So um, I'm the host, Nevi. I'm based in the United States at this point. Um, uh, so Zach, I'm, I'm going to give you the opportunity to share with us about yourself as well as about other panelists, um, you know, uh, today that we have. Um, but we're going to start before we talk about the festival. We're going to talk a little bit about veg voyages. I'm really curious to know about your work. Um, and, and when I was looking up veg voyages, it, it says veg voyages organizes off the beaten track tours focused on cultural immersion, local interactions, eating lots of mouthwatering local vegan cuisines along the way. Oh, what inspired you? to create Veg Voyages and tell us a little bit about your story to create vegan tours. Zach. Um, thank you, Nidhi. Uh, it's actually, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll try to keep it short. Uh, animal rights and environmental protection has always been a passion of ours. Um, and as we got older, uh, trying to help people understand each other more uh, also became a passion of ours. Um, as you know, people have so many misconceptions and total and totally off, I would say, preconceptions of each other of other cultures and communities that are labeled very different from their own. And I mean, we were brought up with it. We were taught it from when we were kids everywhere in our schools, houses of worship, in our families, communities, you name it, everywhere. And this very uh, divisive thinking sadly continues very well into our uh, adulthood. So not only did we also come from the cycle, of course, um, but we also would see this very frequently in the work we used to do. We used to work and coordinate for film and uh, media units. Um, so uh, what we did is uh, originally I got into to the film business, naively thinking that I could change the world, um, you know, like, like a lot of us did. <laughs> and uh, we didn't, of course, and it just became a, about the business and compromising what we believed in. And pretty much every step of the way in the end, I would say. So 18 years ago now, actually, as of, uh, as of this month, 18 years ago now, we, we, uh, we, we burned out basically on the film business. Um, but one thing that we, we still liked actually was helping to bridge the cultural gaps between the foreign and local units and teams um, that we were coordinating for. And so we decided, hey, we're not getting any younger. Um, so let's start doing something we cannot believe in again. And that's in line with our animal rights and environmental beliefs. So we combined our love of storytelling and bridging cultural gaps with our passion for animal rights and environment to create veg voyages. Um, I'm sorry, that was a bit long. I said I was gonna try to keep it short. Uh, so starting with three trips in India 18 years ago, we now do over 27 trips a year, um, vegan trips a year in, um, and in nine different countries. And actually there's two more countries that, that we are just completing work on, which is where I am right now. I'm in Cambodia. Uh, so we're just completing the story here. And, this, and these first trips will also be running um, by the end of the year. And also with uh, Kuntalji, we'll be having the uh, Everest Base Camp, uh, one of a series of uh, uh, vegan trekking trips that uh, Kuntal uh, G will be overseeing um, and leading, uh, starting with the Everest Base Camp one uh, towards the end of the year, uh, this year as well, which we're really excited about. Um, so now we're a team of five friends from four different countries and four different faiths. Uh, and our tours are be best or, or, or kind of most commonly described as community-based storytelling meets travel, meets veganism all in one. Um, as we work with local communities to create the stories, which then the trips are actually the stories 
our, our, the, the trips that our guests go on, actually they live the stories that we actually uh, create with the communities. Wow, that is just so inspiring that, you know, your guests, your, your tourists get to live the story as the itinerary unfolds. Uh, and, and I can't wait to be on one of these, um, Zach. So, so tell us, uh, uh, yeah, how did all of you guys meet? I'm, I'm gonna bring um, Kuntilji, Shova, Rita, and um, Shrishti has joined us, and, and Suresh. I'm, I'm gonna bring all of you guys on, uh, on stage. Zach, uh, uh, please introduce us to your you know, friends, to your colleagues, to your team. Okay, um, so let's, uh, first, uh, how did we meet? It, it's actually quite, quite uh, a, 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 a much quicker story, though it, uh, it, it could be quite long. But it was, to, to sum it up, it was through vegan activism, actually. So we all met because um, we all have a, a, common, uh, a common goal and a common interest in protecting animals and promoting veganism. So uh, over the years, we've all met and connected through vegan activism. And whenever possible, we try to get together and, uh, and, and work on projects together. Uh, that being said, that is what the Himalayan Vegan Festival came about, is every, all of us coming together and saying, hey, um, this, this could be a great event in, in Nepal and Bhutan. Um, and then, uh, and so we, we said, Let, let's do it. And, and, and it's, it's been growing and growing and growing. And even with the postponement because of the pandemic from April to September, um, it's actually even getting bigger. So, which, uh, uh, which we'll talk about more later. Um, but I'm very grateful and honored to have the chance to introduce uh, some of the fantastic team um, uh, and, uh, behind the Himalayan Vegan Festival, which is on the panel here. And they have done an extraordinary job in, in putting together this festival, which I'm super, super excited about. about. Um, so would you like me to introduce uh, each uh, person um, all the way through? I'll, I'll make a quick... Just yeah, please make a, a quick introduction and, um, you know, and, and then obviously we'll have questions for everyone and, and that will offer them an opportunity to share their story as well. Okay, so we'll, I'll, I'll start with Sureshji, who also happens to be one of the partners in Veg Voyages. Um, Suresh is a vegan activist. He's the chair of the World Vegan Organization for Nepal and co-founder of the Nepal Vegetarian Association. He actually has a master's degree in Sanskrit and Asian philosophy as well. And he received the prestigious gold medal in philosophy by Nepal's first president. So he's a very extraordinary, talented, and passionate guy and, uh, and a great friend, and a great friend. Then there's the uh, very talented and extremely hardworking Shoba. Uh, she's an animal rights advocate, a vegan food blogger, and a lawyer by training. Uh, she's also a co-organizer at uh, Kathmandu Animal Save, where they've been advocating for veganism and targeting Nepalese youth. Uh, to get active for animals. So trying to really get uh, the, the youth engaged in uh, protecting animals. Um, and of course, there's the uh, incredible Kuntalji. Um, and uh, I don't say that lightly when I use the word incredible because he was the first vegan to summit Mount Everest and doing it once wasn't enough, he did it twice. So wow. incredibly twice. <laughs> so through his trekking, he works to dispel myths about nutrition and a plant-based diet. I mean, if you could be on a plant-based diet and you can, uh, you know, summit uh, Everest twice, that's, that says something. He is equally passionate about raising awareness about the health benefits of veganism for both people and the planet. Um, so an extraordinary and, and incredible uh, guy, friend, as well as uh, athlete. Um, then there's a very dedicated Tristy G. Um, she works passionately as a key uh, as a key player in animal welfare campaigns uh, for several leading animal rights organizations in Nepal, where she works through they do interventions, animal rescues, research, education campaigns, and advocacy to create protective rights for animals. And last but definitely not least is Rita G, who is a very popular FM radio host in Nepal and is also a no holds barred independent voice for animals who is not afraid or shy, I may say, to tell it as it is, which is great. She's a great voice for those uh, without a voice and is an a great inspiration to fellow activists. And she also makes, I just want to say, because you had a picture of Momos earlier, she makes some of, uh, <laughs> some out of this world amazing vegan Momos, some of the best vegan Momos I've ever had. Thank you. We'll talk about that. Yes, for sure. Well, Zach, thank you so much. I, I see that um, Shoba is back. Uh, well, well um, Add her back to the stream. Um, unfortunately, her camera is not working, but maybe she can hear us, uh, you know, and, and we can carry on the conversation. But my next question is to Suresh. Um, you know, really would want to and love to know more about 
um, what is the Himalayan vegan festival really? And so Sureshi, the floor is yours. Please tell us more about this amazing um, festival that's coming up soon. Yes. Thank you for giving this opportunity to share about the Himalayan Vegan Festival. The Himalayan Vegan Festival is the vegan history in the Himalayas. I would like to say that the Himalayan Vegan Festival, landmark festival in the heart of the Himalayas, seeks to inspire people to reduce animal suffering and environmental degradation by follow, following a plant-based diet. And this festival organized by local vegan activists and supported by vegan activists from all over the world. And this festival is family friendly, educational and fun and free festival. Everybody will uh, attend this festival and this is a 100% free festival. Then we are trying to make this festival result oriented uh, programs and festivities there. So people will learn about the uh, techniques, tools, and how they have to implement. And we'll, we'll teach about the uh, practical things. People will learn and they, they will implement in their home, their kitchen, and their communities, in their school. That is uh, the uh, festivals uh, we are trying to make regional oriented. Then this, it is going to be a family friendly festival, educational and six days festival, three days in Kathmandu, Nepal and three days in Bhutan. And uh, in this six days event, uh, celebrating the health, environmental and animal welfare benefits of the plant-based uh, lifestyle. The, in this festival, uh, um, there will be free movie screening with the directors and free cooking classes and workshops, free wellness classes, a 5K mini marathon hosted by two of the world's leading vegan athletes, wow. then vegan health, fitness, and fashion workshops will be there. Then there will be music and there will be uh, vegan products, local vegan products, uh, and uh, popular uh, vegan organization stalls will be there. Then we'll have uh, Himalayan and international vegan delicious food, food wow. stalls are, will be there. Yeah. Then this uh, festival supported uh, by government also, we are trying to uh, work with the government. So government representative will be there. They will learn, they will learn about the veganism. Then that will be easy to make the vegan friendly country. That is our, we are trying to do. Then there will be 100 plus speakers and 250 plus international delegates and thousand of local attendees there. Then Please save the date. Festival dates are uh, Kathmandu, Nepal, September 15th to uh, 17th, and Thimphu, Bhutan, 7, September 18th to 20th. Yes, thank you so thank much, you. Uh, Sureshi, for sharing all of that. Um, you know, I can't wait to be there. This is going to be. This is just promising to be like as you've described it. It's it's going to be fun. It's it's going to be a lot of education, um, and there'll be food and music. And and I think that you know in this era of global pandemic, um, we need people you know to be able to feel optimistic and and you know confident. And hopefully, uh, I, I'm aware that you know you guys have had to change the dates a little bit. So now it's going to happen in uh, September and instead of uh, you know. Uh, the spring, uh, but, uh, you know, let's hope Omicron's all gone and, and you know, COVID-19 offers us a, you know, window of relief when all of us can get together and celebrate veganism. I'm, I'm going to ask Swisty the next question. So what can people expect if they attend the festival? Swisty. Um, can you hear me? 
Yes, um, yes, we can right. hear you. Um, I think that one thing that people can expect is actually to get pleasantly surprised because most of the people that I've known or people who know about veganism or basically have heard of veganism, vegan lifestyle, only kind of assume it to be very plain and boring, including like food or the things that we do or things that we use. Um, so I think this festival will basically give out everything. It won't hold back uh, from like, just like today she said, from food to activities, to everything from speaker sessions to documentary screenings, uh, different kind of projects and programs like workshops, uh, speakers from all over the world who are extremely impressive and have done a lot of work for animal rights and animal welfare and liberation. So I think what people can really expect is to learn and also to unlearn things. Like unlearn things that they've heard accumulated throughout the years about using and abusing animals and how we can live like a cruelty-free life with so much option and so much of color and so much of vibrancy. So that's something people can really, really expect from this festival. Yes, and that is super interesting and, you know, and much needed because people have a certain perception about veganism, about vegans and the kind of food we eat and, you know, that maybe we're eating a salad or lettuce like all day. And that is simply not true. You know, this uh, this festival is going to offer them a window um, into our very colorful world and, and our colorful menu and, and how vibrant it is and, and how spiritually elevating um, it is. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Kuntal, I'm going to bring you on stage. I, I wanted to ask you uh, about you know, your journey as a mountaineer, you know, your love affair with mountains. Tell us like, how did it start? When did it start? And how, how did you embrace that and, and veganism and like, Tell us about your journey, and, and I'm just floored. I'm in awe of the the work that you've done. So thank you for being uh, with us and and sharing your story, please. Uh, so a, I'm going to start with uh, a little bit about my vegan journey, and just like how your show is named, connecting the dots. For me, it was all about connecting the dots. Uh, being born and brought up in a vegetarian family, I always kind of connected with the animal rights cause, or to be very frank, with compassion and as Rita Ji was mentioning about Karuna, uh, that is, you know, an, an emotion of empathy. All of those were there. I always connected with that, which is why I never ate meat or which is why I never consumed any animal. But then sometimes social conditioning such that you can't actually see cruelty behind dairy or you can't see cruelty behind eggs or cruelty behind leather. And I didn't see that because every time I would walk into a grocery store, I would just be buying a bottle of milk or I would just be buying a leather jacket, which was, you know, with a nice price tag on it. Just felt, oh, this is just available in a store. How can this cause harm to an animal? Or how could even this be a skin of an animal? I just never connected the dots there. But then I moved to the United States where uh, I was doing my master's and uh, one of my roommates was an ethical vegetarian. And he kind of started asking me a lot of these questions. Why are you wearing a leather belt? Why are you wearing a leather jacket? Why are you buying ice creams with eggs in them? And all of these questions were constantly in my mind. And my, I was kind of, you know, a little bit defensive in the beginning. Like, why are you asking me these questions? Uh, what's the problem with these things? And then he slowly kind of started sharing with me a lot of videos, mostly, about the horrors of the dairy and the egg industry. That is how it kind of started. And initially, I was not very receptive to it. I didn't even see the videos. I'm like, no, this, this can't be true. And then when I saw the videos, it, it was like my entire world came crashing down kind of a deal for me. I'm like, here I'm thinking of myself as a compassionate person who stands up for the animals. And suddenly I realize I'm no different. I am contributing to the abuse and use and slaughter of animals as much as everyone else. And that was kind of the trigger point where I started going and researching what can I do. Yeah. I think the bare minimum I realized I could do was I control what goes in my mouth in terms of the food I eat and what goes on my body in terms of the clothing I wear or the cosmetics I use or just the daily items I use. 
these two things as a privileged person was completely under my control i could have definitely changed these and as i started researching more i realized there's people who call themselves vegan yeah. and uh, i said this is it this is you know what uh, i want to be and this was an overnight decision the moment i said okay i need to do something about it there were two ways either i just stay in the world of apathy which i had been anyway for many many years or i actually take a stand and for the first time in my life i actually took a stand for animals and i went vegan and i have to say that it opened floodgates of changes in me because once you connect with oppression towards something you suddenly start connecting with oppression towards all other practices that you know yes. i was part of made be homophobia or made be sexism or made be all the other toxic things that i was knowingly or unknowingly kind of partaking in i connected the dots and i'm not going to say a lot of this was an overnight journey it took a it took time and i did my reading i did you know my introspection and over a period of time i was able to kind of move away from these practices or you know partaking in this oppression i'm not saying i'm perfect but i am a work in progress in that sense um uh, and as i went on the journey i discovered my love for mountains and um, i remember standing in october of 2010 in front of mount everest and i said this story so many times like i can like remember so vividly right now i was standing and um, the last rays of sunset were hitting everest every other mountain near everest was in the colors of gray and blue but everest in the middle was burning golden in color as if someone had lit all the snow on fire and when i saw everest that way i fell in love actually and uh, i promised myself that i am going to come back one day and i'm going to climb on the top of this mountain and believe me um, i may say a lot of things i may say things like hey everest helps me become a better person everest helps me become a better version of myself all of these things are all in hindsight but when i saw everest it was like an internal calling a calling that i could not say no to i had to go and follow that calling and and i'm not going to take a lot of time but one of the first challenges that i had in the calling was everyone like tons of people in the mountaineering community and my friends and my co climbers everyone saying you can't do this as a vegan and i was always like why is there a problem with veganism how does this even matter and they're like but no you need to eat meat you need to eat dairy you need to eat eggs you need to eat cheese how are you going to keep yourself warm without a leather jacket or a down feather jacket and i'm and i'm like wow i am going to climb this mountain as a vegan or i'm not going to do it at all yeah. that is the kind of mindset i had and that's the mindset with which i began the journey and nivi believe me if i have to write down the list of top 100 challenges i faced on everest veganism would not be 101st challenge on that list so i can tell you for a fact that a plant based diet was not a hindrance from any angle on the contrary it actually helped me become a stronger climber not just from the diet that i was eating but just from a mental edge that i got imagine you can climb with clear conscience yeah. sleeping in the night knowing that no animal has to suffer or die for your dreams to come true i think people kind of you know don't realize how much mental power that gives me or how much edge that gives me when i'm on the mountain that guilt free you are there just focused on your dream and knowing that you are doing it for the animals yeah. I, i i think veganism was never a challenge uh, yeah. maybe 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 a small challenge from a gear perspective but from a nutrition perspective it was never a challenge and and the whole mindset that veganism or plant based diet is nutritionally deficient is just 100% myth i yeah. can see that yeah yeah so the consul thank you so much for sharing that i'm just so inspired and as you took us through this journey i had goosebumps you know because um as as someone who was not a uh, a vegan before as well and and majority of my life i've i've you know ate uh, i've consumed dairy and and not even understanding uh what's behind it you know because there 
because a lot of these products are neon washed with advertising and package packaging material and and we just can't see it because it's so indirect you know and, and especially uh, for persons of south asian origin you know where vegetarianism is extolled and it's even part of our you know our uh, scriptures we're told we, we don't necessarily know if that's an interpretation issue or or whether it really is in there but but that's uh, for another conversation but Kundal, I'm, I'm really um curious were were you a non-vegan uh, mountain climber before and and then you became a vegan mountain climber and and if so then what was the difference uh, that you observed in your mental and physical ability to you know conquer peaks and mountains and nature oh uh, i was not i went vegan in 2002 and then i started climbing mountains only in 2010 uh, so i didn't go through that transition of being a non-vegan athlete to a vegan athlete uh, but as i said that for me uh, as a vegan athlete having all this pushback, I remember when that statement was made that you need to eat meat or you need to eat dairy. I mean, as someone who's an engineer and someone who looks at things very scientifically, I was like, kind of, shouldn't it just be, you should need to eat protein, you need to eat fats, you need to eat multivitamins and minerals. And I'm like, the plant world is abundantly filled with all those things. So if, as long as you are eating a balanced diet, a smartly designed diet, it should never be a hindrance. On the contrary, as I said, my diet helped me recover a lot faster. Yeah, okay. And as someone who has been training for the last 12 years, I know that uh, you have to train really hard, but then you have to recover and be able to train harder and keep repeating this over a period of long duration. And so when, you, when your diet is kind of aiding your recovery and complementing you know, your overall life, and then you are able to recover and become the best version of yourself. I, I do think that, you know, veganism contributed to that quite a bit. I'm not going to stand here and say, uh, hey, you know, I ate a broccoli and I became a Superman. Uh, probably in, in part, yes. Um, <laughs> but, but of course, there's a lot of training and there's a lot more nuance involved. But I can definitely say uh, that anyone who wishes to climb mountains or who wishes to achieve superhuman feats, they can very much do it as a vegan. If I can, if someone who used to be 110 kilo unhealthy software engineer, I I was no nowhere close to being an athlete. I was like literally an anti-athlete before I went on this journey. So if someone like me can go on this transformation uh, and climb Mount Everest not just once but twice, I can say that every human on this planet can achieve the biggest dreams of their life without any animal having to suffer or die. That is just such an inspiring message. Thank you so much, um, Kuntal, for sharing your story. Um, I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, since you mentioned that you were in the States and you were studying, and, and this is where, you know, courtesy a roommate who obviously cared uh, about the animals and cared for you to brought this message to your life. I'm, I'm going to bring on, um, you know, Zach into our stream and, and uh, to talk a little bit around, you know, the differences in the animal rights and the vegan movement in North America and, and in South Asia. You've had the opportunity and the privilege to see both of these and experience both of these worlds. Tell us a little bit about that, Zach. You're on mute, though. You're, you're going to have to unmute yourself first. Okay. Um, that's a very good question. Uh, and... Um, you know what? One one point uh, when you, you bring that up, there's one thing that immediately comes to the to the top of my mind, um, and and though there's a lot of great similarities between both movements, uh, you know, in, in in South Asia, Southeast Asia, and and uh, and in the in the states, um, but of the, uh, the differences, there's one I wish that would or wouldn't be there, whichever way we're looking at it, and that's actually the fragmentation within the animal rights and vegan movements. And sadly, that's something I've seen consistent both in North America as well as in South Asia. Um, and I wish there would be a lot more genuine support and working together within the animal rights and vegan movements within the same city, a same country, uh, around the world, you know, activists, movements getting together, joining hands. But unfortunately, the fragmentation, and I really want to bring that up because I, I, I can't, 
I can't really kind of, uh, you know, uh, focus on that enough in the sense that we really need to start working genuinely together more wherever possible. And I think that's a big thing that's missing um, within our movements. There has been some ground on that, um, but still the fragmentation uh, and is there. And that's actually I, I hindered the growth of the animal rights and, uh, and vegan movement, I find, from my experience and from what I've seen, both in North America and South Asia. Um, and I think the world has been reminded um, that we do really need to genuinely work together, not just in the animal rights and vegan movement uh, over the past 22 months, you know, now more than ever, um, that uh, we, we need we our actions, our reactions and our support for each other actually can make a huge difference. And we have to stop. We have to change our thinking. And I hope to see that also in the animal rights and vegan movement more that it's not just about me my organization, or we could say my country of 30 or 330 million people, but we have to look at things really real, not just in words, but as a planet of almost 8 billion people who cohabit it with many, many, many more other living beings. Um, and I, I think we've even seen that directly over the past 22 months, that, that, that it, how important that is. So why I wanted to say, what's the differences? This is the one thing that I'd like to bring up that I, we got to put that fragmentation aside and everybody's got to start coming together more. Yeah. yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing that. And, and the need for collaboration is uh, ever greater at this point. You know, we've we have so much content come out, so many documentaries. Um, the other day I was watching a documentary that was narrated by David Attenborough and um, Sir Attenborough was talking about how planetary boundaries have been breached. And, you know, throughout his career, he, he saw um, biomes, you know, that were flourishing and they were vibrant and they were so rich with biodiversity and over a period of time. And, and he's he's been around a long time and he says uh that now when he uh you know visits the the woodlands and you know lakes and, and these biomes he just uh finds the earth dying and and if we're not united at a moment when our home the only home that there ever is you know versus all these structures that we keep you know cobbling and like fighting over if, if the earth is gone we're gone you know yeah. And, and and if we're gone, honestly, the earth will carry on forward and probably yes. will be better off, you mm -hmm. know, without us. There's a, a, a part of me that feels so. Um, Zach, the, the reason why I asked this question to you is um, uh, in addition to the point, very valid point about collaboration, the lack thereof, we need definitely more of it, is, is also like, you know, the structure of the animal agriculture and the animal industry uh, and, mm -hmm. and the differences between the United States and South Asia. You know, when yeah. we look at these, you know, Central Valley CAFOs, mm -hmm. right, um, huge operations, um, mm -hmm. you see the picture on the screen. And when we look at the, the Indian, the typical South Asian dairy farm, um, which is which is like cooperative, small, entrepreneur-led. Um, uh, I was reading somewhere that 12% uh, of India's population is engaged in some form or manner with the dairy processing mm -hmm. in industry just by itself. You know, we're not even talking about leather or um, other adjacencies that frequently, are, you know, people don't even associate and they don't connect the dots, as, as Kontal was telling us. Um, so, so given these differences in what and who we're up against, as a vegan activist, as a vegan entrepreneur, um, you know, what do you think are the differences in fighting this good fight? You know, between you know how the situation is in the U.S. and and who we're up against, what we're up against versus in South Asia, because the South Asian story is like, you know, a, an Ivy League case study of poverty alleviation and international development by um, offering, quite fr frankly, a living wage to people? Um, that's a tough one. And that could be a very long conversation. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, so, you know, I, there's, I, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things, and, and I don't know if this is actually uh, going to, uh, is what, what, you're, uh, what you're exactly asking for. But one of the biggest things is misinformation uh, and, 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 and getting real information out there. And, and, and both in India, as well as in North America, uh, as well as in Nepal, the, the information that's being given by certain industries, certain companies, corporations, and the government, agencies within the government, um, is often incorrect or not telling the whole truth. Yeah. And, and, and they have 
they have the means and the resources in both places to be putting that out there. And so that is on, on both sides, that's what we're often fighting against. I mean, like, like even what Kuntal G said that when there's not, where's the connection of what that leather jacket is or the leather shoe is and what, what suffering came with that or, 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 or with milk or with, you know, like it's a glass of milk, it's a bowl of ice cream, you know? And, and, and but that's the same problem we have in, in, in I mean, very similar that we have obviously in North America too. A lot of people, you know, how many times have they actually seen a living cow? You know, and if you're in the cities, you don't really see them. I mean, it's, and so when you go to buy that packaged meat, you're not knowing, hey, what, what, what really went into, what, that's a living being there. You know, how, what was the process for that to be there and how much suffering that they had, that had. So, but those are both consistent. So these are similarities um, that, and, but, and going up against that is the same problems we're facing. We're facing government uh, because the government, uh, what the government's doing, what they're promoting, what regulations they are. They subsidize a lot of animal agriculture in both areas, um, you know. And uh, and then we have and then we have the massive amount of money that is that is behind these companies and corporations or cooperatives or whatever it may be that is uh, that is that is that we're going up against. And the clue and then all that political ties and that political uh, you know connections around that which can make life very difficult, obviously, for animal rights activists or anybody wanting to get out the correct information. But so I, I, I say on, on, on what we're up against, I, it's very similar both in, um, it's, it's very similar as far as kind of on from a, from a broad spectrum of, of what, we're, what we're dealing with. Now, the ways we go about on trying to get the correct, you know, the, the real information out there so people can make, you know, their own decisions, educated decisions. There's uh, different methodologies to that, some similar and some very different because of, of uh, different cultures and what have you and, and what we're, you know, what, what, what kind of untruth we're trying to true, if that makes sense, <laughs> you know, if we're trying to, yeah. So uh, did that answer your question? Kind of? Well, yes, and, and you know, it's an unanswerable question, right? Yes. In a way, yeah. because it's so complex, and, yeah. and and just by way of a dialogue, there's just mm -hmm. so much insight that you know we're hoping that our viewers will get because mm -hmm. you have an insight of uh, working and and interacting with cultures on yeah. both in, in both of these corners of the world. But just as a small thing, just just that one kind of little difference is, and, and and many vegan activists in India will say this: it's it's you know you'll have people that are non-veg. Easier to convince on the vegan argument than vegetarians, many oh, in yes. many cases. Oh yes, totally. You I know, agree so, with yeah, yes, yes, exactly. you wouldn't have so much in the states. When someone's vegetarian, it's kind of a little bit easier to get. You know that that they'll open their mind more to the yes. idea of being vegan and, and take that extra step. But for in in, in India, as you as you as you well know, um, that, uh, that that you have the conversation of a plant-based diet with a vegetarian is sometimes much more difficult as far as how receptive they'll be than with a non-vegetarian person. So yes, they, exactly. those cultural differences are definitely there. Absolutely, you know, and, and as um, a, a researcher, and I can definitely say that the insight um, is that the underlying motivator for vegetarianism is is very different, and it's super unique in South Asia, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and within um, uh, specifically within um, you know Hinduism, given that there are certain religious connotations to it, and there are mythological connotations to it, and people sort of grow up in with using dairy um in not just from a consumption uh, you know internal nutritional consumption standpoint but also it's um ritualistic participation um that dairy has uh versus which isn't the case clearly for uh, you know vegetarian vegetarians in in north america because then it's almost like incrementally you're becoming aware of cruelty towards animals and, and that that yeah. it's the last give right and and then mm -hmm. you sort of like fall off um, at the point of when you're vegetarian and you're that much closer to veganism and you don't have that additional layer to deal with. Um, mm -hmm. So spot on. Yes. And it's, it's a critical conversation to have, but a very complex one for sure. Yeah, um, and, and that's why I don't mean to interrupt, but just kind of uh, connecting the dots on that. The, uh, the, like when we showed uh, at the Vegan India conference in, in, uh, in uh, 2019, we had Cowspiracy there. Um, and then we were talking to other people that weren't necessarily attending the conference because some of the people at the conference were more there kind of have an open mind to it. Um, but then when they saw it, they say, oh, yeah, that, that's really bad. But, you know, our, our cows in India, they don't go through that or we're, you know, it's like it's oh, that's a Western problem. This is how it's done in the West. Yeah. That being said, 
full circle, at the, premiering at the Himalayan Vegan Festival will be the equivalent of Cowspiracy for India, done by Indian filmmakers, activists that tackle full force as far as what the dairy industry really is. All the information they don't want to they don't want people to know about or talk about. Um, and so we're really excited about that, uh, that film uh, premiering uh, at the festival. And it's a feature film and I've been uh, uh, kept up to date on everything. And um, it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be really good. So right. I have an inkling what this uh, film is about, but that's not our, you know, yeah. time to steal, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. We're, we can't wait to uh, yeah. hear more about it. And, and But it's making its world premiere at the festival, the Himalayan Vegan Festival. Yes, absolutely. So, so yeah. that's yet another reason for our yes. viewers to, you know, get the, get hold of their tickets and, and figure out, and, you know, there's lots and lots of information on the website about mm -hmm. this biggest plant-based event ever in the Himalayas. And, and for everyone to, you know, uh, hold these dates on their calendars and join, because there's lots and lots of reasons for us to be there, to understand, you know, how, um, Animal agriculture really is not the future and veganism is. Um, I see Rita back uh, with us. I'm, um, Zach, I'm, I'm going to bring Rita back on stage. And um, Rita, welcome back. Um, unfortunately, Hi. yes, we lost you earlier, but uh, I want to hear more about your fantastic radio show and, and all, you know, all the amazing work you're doing in Nepal. Okay. I'm a radio program president producer since last uh, 20, uh, two decades, more than two decades, I think. So right now I'm uh, doing, uh, I'm running a show named uh, Amritam Gamaya. It, it means from uh, darkness to light. So it's a, it's a informative program morning show, but it's uh, directly connected to uh, veganism or animal rights and all, but somehow I always my voice regarding these issues, veganism, animal rights, and our animal uh, law guidelines of our, our country. So people can um, be People can stand about uh, what is animal cruelty, what you should not do in our country. Previous uh, radio, so it was uh, sponsored by my own organization and your uh, animal. I'm one of the um, executive uh, member in this organization. Our main objective is to implant Karuna in people's heart. It was the main aim. That's why we named it Karuna, means empathy. And we're gonna bring um, one of Rita's colleagues. Um, yes, Shova. Um, I'm gonna bring you on stage. Um, I have a question for you on, you know, feminism and eco-feminism, and you know, it's it's a it's a big word. It's a big concept. And so, what does this word mean? for women of South Asian origin? Is it even a thing like as, as you do vegan activism, you know, in, in your part of the world? Um, and what might be some other vocabulary that is more appropriate instead of using these words or you recommend that that is the appropriate way to go? Like, how do you talk to women is what I'm trying to ask. So the conversation regarding ecofeminism and like animal rights or veganism is somewhat uh, missing here in Nepal. Uh, although Srishti is really active about talking, uh, talking about it, bringing it forward, but uh, while we approach, while we do outreach uh, through our group, and what I've observed is that we have acknowledged that there is a pattern. There is a pattern that the women are more empathetic, women are more compassionate, and we have even observed in our own community that women who raise uh, non-human animals, they are less likely to eat them because they rear them as their own children. And so uh, they avoid eating them, they avoid seeing them killed. So we have observed this pattern, but however, we are not able to interlink it and bring it uh, in the out front. 
we address it within our community and we try to approach it in uh, outreaches through like saying like you know you are a female you go through the same emotions like um the glass of milk how does it get why does a cow produce a glass uh why does a cow produce milk like you're a female you have a son or daughter or children uh, and you know what is the process so maybe you could interlink with that we try to approach it through that method that they could find some kind of connection with the female the feminine uh, thing so that is how we are approaching however the term ecofeminism is not like uh, addressed openly that i would say but i think like shishi they would explain it more better so i would like to know from her Yes, absolutely. Let me actually bring Shrishti, you know, back on stream and and um, let's have this conversation, ladies, you know, because it's really important for, um, I, I guess, for women to connect the dots, because a lot of the sentient beings on the planet that are being exploited at this point in time are, you know, mother cows, their mother hens, their mother pigs, and, and other others as well. Shrishti, we'll look forward to hearing um, your point of view on this. Um, I think the concept of ecofeminism is definitely like Shoba said, it's pretty much new. Uh, although the thing about many contexts in uh, Nepal is like all these labels that are being used, like ecofeminism or many more for that instance, are not recognized because these are like Western labels, right? But the thing is the practice of ecofeminism has been going on for a long time in Nepal that many, many women may actually practice it. Although there, there has been very strong disconnect, uh, even like in the sector of conservation where people are, especially even women, are working um, <clears throat> relentlessly um, in the path of addressing climate change, biodiversity loss, species extinction, and so forth. And even deforestation is a huge outcry. But when we, they are asked, or when they are asking the audience to change their lifestyle, very few talk about not eating meat or dairy. Wow. And that's something very interesting I've found. And I've asked them, I've had this conversation with many of my friends who work in the conservation sector. And I asked them, why aren't you talking about that? Because that's the number one, like very easy thing that one person can do without changing the system, changing self. And what, how one person is actually acknowledging the lifestyle that one is leading, that is leading to these kind of, you know, um, outcomes. But this is something that's a huge disconnect. For instance, like in Nepal, um, around 89% of uh, people are engaged in agriculture. And uh, in, within that percentile also, like 90% are women. And up through all these disasters and everything that's happening in, in terms of climate change and whatnot, the women and children all over the world, just like all over the world in India and in Nepal, mostly in Southeast Asia, where this is much more prevalent is that women and children are the ones who suffer the most and because of this reason and this reason only this kind of thing has not been addressed and that that's something which i find very very interesting because last time i was in this program where we were talking about ecofeminism where i was asked to give a really long speech about it and i talked a lot about being vegan and vegan lifestyle why it's not only about just about food and not eating meat. It's not only about that, it's also so much more. And because ecofeminism is such a strong thing, because I am like one of the mentors, one of my mentors is Dr. Vandana Shiva. Yeah. So, and then I have had like so many conversations with her. And I think she's the one who basically opened that avenue for me, the whole path of ecofeminism. And she was here in Nepal a couple of years back. And then throughout these conversations, I've seen these issues like lurking up every day, where basically the women are suffering because like Shoba said, women are the ones who are raising these animals. They are the ones who are basically raising their families and working in the field more than men. Right. But the whole issue of ecological disaster, the whole issue of like lacking of empathy and compassion, it's not being addressed. In terms of animal rights, just like Shoba said, like a, like a cow, you know, everything, all the plight that the cow goes through, 
is not being addressed by a mother. Um, and that's something that's a very strange disconnect, even uh, among feminists, like all my friends who are feminists who work with women's rights like so strongly when I have this conversation, I said, isn't it the same? Like, isn't the whole concept of feminism, how can the whole concept of feminism be complete without talking about the most abused female in, in Earth, like in this universe? I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely, for me, it completely baffles how they are not being able to connect it. Yeah. But yes, the whole concept has been moving. There is a shift. There is a shift where more and more people who are working in conservation sectors, especially, are kind of realizing it about the whole concept of gender issues in, cli in climate uh, change and climate justice, for that matter, yeah. and indigenous movement. Uh, so there's a shift happening. It's pretty slow. I mean, slower than how we would like to be, but like just like any other movements like veganism and all, it's happening. It's happening pretty slow, but yeah, I, I, I do see I do see change happening. I'm, I'm very hopeful. Right. Well, th thank you for sharing that, um, Shisti, as well as Shoba. Uh, my question to you guys is that as you design and curate the Himalayan Vegan Festival, um, what are some of the levers for, you know, clearly there's a need and there's an opportunity to talk about ecofeminism or however, you know, to sort of enroll and bring more women into the fold and get them to connect these dots between climate justice, food justice, gender justice, and, and so on. Um, how how do you think this festival would offer you guys an opportunity to move that aspect of our movement forward? So the festival has different panels and um, sessions uh, talking about different issues. However, we do not have a session dedicated to ecofeminism. Um, we we could like connect with people regarding these issues um, in like um, while we are social networking while we are talking about this issue regarding the dinner or like we could talk about this issue even if there is not there is not a space in the panel or session we could always bring this issue up and we we could always talk about it. Yeah, I think um, we've had this conversation before with the whole team as well, and I've also kind of put this forward, like these are the issues that need to be in, in, included in the festival. Because I think it's a huge opportunity for everybody to actually talk about these issues. And when we talk about these issues, we need to talk in a holistic perspective. If we're talking like one strong approach, it's not going to succeed like it's for sure. And because everything is so interconnected so seamlessly, that's why we need to actually tell our side of the story. We need to tell how these things are connected because so many times, so many people, they really have not made that connection until they've actually heard it from somebody, until they've actually been an audience of something that's happening right there in front of them. So I think yeah. definitely there are many, many ways that we can actually bring this thing together, which we need to, because yeah. without the whole concept of ecofeminism, this whole movement of... Um, empathy of this whole movement of compassion, which will not go forward as on the path that we wanted to kind of move ahead. So definitely for sure, we, we're actually creatively trying to figure out to curate this whole festival to work around the issue of ecofeminism and fem feminism as a whole and not just part of the big picture. Right. Thank you so much, Shristi. And, and now that, you know, uh, uh, the software allows me to get uh, Rita back on board, I wanted her to be, a, uh, you know, part uh, of this, uh, you know, conversation that we're having um, around veganism and, and ecofeminism. Um, Rita, you spoke about Karuna, right? And Karuna is such an important, um, you know, you talk about implanting karuna in the in in the hearts and minds of people and and through your radio show and and through your role and contributions towards curating this festival um you know wh what is your perspective on um the enrollment of all you know more women in into this movement yes as, as Sristi and shova say is said uh, that woman is more compassionate more empathetic so i think woman Unfortunately, I've actually lost her again. Um, you know what I'm, I'm going to do? We're uh, at time. We're on the hour. I'm going to add everyone to the stream, including Sureshi. Rita, I'm going to try and pull you back into the stream. Um, and if it's 
stable for you. Um, do you want to give it a go again and, and share with us like the, the, some of your thoughts on, on the subject? And, and if it's not stable and we're not able to hear you, I would just like to offer an opportunity round the table to everyone. Um, and maybe we'll end with Zach, um, you know, talking about what is your message? What is your main message? Why should people pack their bags and plan to be at the Himalayan Vegan Festival? And, and why should the world go vegan? So um, if you can just share very quickly, you know, around uh, the table, we'll start with um, Sureshji and then Kuntilji, um, go over to Shwesti, Shova, Rita, if, if your um, connection is stable, we can, we can take you on after Shova and then we'll end with Zach. Sureshji. The Himalayan Vegan Festival is the first uh, biggest plant-based event ever in the Himalayas. That's why uh, everybody, all the people uh, have to come in this festival. In Nepal and Bhutan, Himalaya region is the vegan-friendly uh, destination, vegan-friendly places. Kuntanji already mentioned about the mountains. You, even vegan people likes the nature. And uh, you can see the mountains, natures, and amazing Himalayan cuisine. That's why you have to come the, here. And this is the land of Buddha. This is the birthplace of Lord Buddha. So uh, peace begins from Nepal, Himalaya region. So you have to be here uh, for that. And we we would like to announce veganism from the Buddha's birthplace. So you have, because of that, you have to be here and um, uh, you will get a lot of uh, different kind of vegetables, fruits, grains, all things in the Himalaya region. That's why you have to be here. Then you have to rise wise about uh, veganism, animal rights, uh, all the, even uh, uh, Srishtiji mentioned about feminism. You have to, we have to rise the voice from the Himalayas. Himalayas is the tall, like highest place in the world. So if you rise voice from here, then people will listen. That's why you have to be here. Thank yes. you. Thank you so much, Sureshi, for that amazing thing. We have to learn about veganism from the land of the Buddha, from the birthplace of the Buddha, and, and rise to wisdom. Um, the reason why I am going to be at the Himalayan festival is to just eat some awesome food. That's why I am going. <laughs> Yes. And that's what, you know, I, I have to, you know, invite everyone to kind of, you know, uh, come uh, at the Himalayan Vegan Festival. But on a serious note, no, whatever Suresh Ji said, I think great food and a chance to be in the Himalaya, chance to be in Nepal, chance to be in Bhutan, uh, visit this part of world, which has really, really delicate uh, climatic conditions, especially impacting the glaciers and climate change. And all. Of, so all of these things really matter in this part of the world a lot more. Uh, so I think, uh, as Suresh mentioned, standing on top of the world, talking about veganism and spreading the vegan word, uh, and I think lots of panel discussions from where we can learn a lot more and grow our understanding. And as I think Shristiji was mentioning earlier that unlearn and relearn or unlearn and learn actually. So a lot of opportunities to come out here in this part of the world and hang out with fellow vegans, fellow animal lovers and fellow, fellow compassionate people and just have fun for six days. I think if you're planning a vacation this year, probably this should be your vacation for this year. And uh, as we discussed earlier in the conversation, COVID willing, we all will gather and uh, it's a gathering to celebrate uh, veganism, but it's also a gathering to hopefully contribute back towards uh, animal rights and animal liberation. Yes, absolutely. Very well said. Shweshi. In addition to echoing what Shweshi and Kuntaji said, uh, I think this is a movement that's taking uh, Nepal by storm as well, the Himalayas by storm as well. So I think everybody should come to be, uh, be the catalyst, the catalyst to this movement, to support and to see what everything is about, to actually see what's being done in local way, in a sustainable way, how things are changing and things are changing for good and to be an audience to that. And that itself is an, another part of the journey to actually come to the Himalayas and like Suresh, she's just shouting out from top of the world. 
Yes, thank you so much, absolutely, for that. And and Shoba and then and, and Rita. Uh, so I would like to welcome the non-vegan people to Himalayan Vegan Festival, particularly for panel discussion on relevant topics like climate crisis, environmental problems, and then pandemic, then our own health and everything. And there, there will also be practical workshop guiding non-vegans to how to transform into a plant-based diet. And there will be fun activities such as food stall, vegan product stall, and there will be fitness activities, yoga, meditation, and more document screening, fashion show. And we will have uh, sessions on alternative agriculture, reduce, reducing our waste, recycling, and everything. And so I want to invite non-vegans to come with open mind with uh, intention to learn and to to the to those vegan people i want to invite them uh, to connect uh, with like-minded people and let's learn together to do effective activism let's stand against injustice against animals thank you absolutely effective activism you know that's the that's the key word thank you so much for that um shova zach uh, everyone actually said it so beautiful and nicely. So, but I, I do want to add uh, two things. I, I look very much forward to the panel discussion and workshops that uh, Shristiji, Shoba, and Rita are going to put together for on ecofeminism. I think those are going to be some great, a great panel, and, and, and possibly um, we can also have some work, workshops on that. I, I look forward to those. So. Um, I know I no pressure. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, uh, well, ladies, maybe we can join our hands together and we can, you know, yes. uh, go at something, you know, <laughs> in the spirit of collaboration. Absolutely. All right. Well, and, and, the, and the next thing is, uh, Nivi, we, we, we hope to see you there as well. We hope to see yes, you. I can't wait. <laughs> I've been to Nepal and I've been to Bhutan. And um, unfortunately, that was during a time when I was not yet a vegan. And mm -hmm. I can't wait to like one of the biggest things on my bucket list is to revisit all the beautiful places in the world that I've been to, but reintroduce myself and, and you know, those places to me in, in this in this new spiritual, spiritually compassionate, um, you know, ahimsa-led lifestyle that I've discovered as you guys have and as so many of our viewers have as well. And that reintroduction is really important because, um, you know, as we go through life, we create memories. And, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to create memories for people by curating vegan tours and now this festival. And hopefully those memories don't have to come um, at the expense of another's life. Mm -hmm. And and that's the beautiful work that you all are doing. I thank you from the bottom of my heart um, to each one of you to made time and um, you know uh, tech issues notwithstanding. Rita, we we've, we've got you back, but we're running out of time. Um, but I look forward to continuing this vital, critical conversation. And thank you to everyone for connecting the dots because and and for helping people connect the dots because this is exactly what festivals and vegan tours are all about. Thank you for your hard work. I know we have a beautiful promo um, that uh, you know I've, I've been dying to show to our viewers. We'll end with that. But uh, the festival is, is in September. I encourage everyone watching this, either live or a recording, to consider planning for it, be there for the biggest plant-based event ever in the beautiful Himalaya. Namaste. Namaste. Please listen, you want to hear some great news? Welcome to the Himalayan Vegan Festival, the first ever in the Himalaya. Dachid Asia ko sabay munda thudo vegan moth sabay yaha rusta bhe lai swagat cha. We are personally inviting you to join us on this journey. No matter your age, ethnicity, religion, and dietary preferences. Everyone is welcome here to experience the Himalayan festival. Largest plant-based event ever in Nepal, in Bhutan, in the Himalayas.
on top of the world. Talks. Health and fitness. All under one roof. This is your festival. This is my festival. This is our festival. All of ours. So let's dance and sing, learn and enjoy, and eat a lot of great food together. All plant-based. All vegan. And all super tasty. Our host, Himalayan vegan Mahatsab Sanghemana. Come join us. We will see you here. We'll be waiting for you. Namaste. Himalayan vegan Mahatsab, not the town hola. Be a part of Himalayan history.